and we are live on chewy's road to enlightenment tonight i have a friend of mine mike flynn owner of black hole guitars what's going on mike hey, what's not much appreciate you doing this uh so we're gonna here we are chewy's road to enlightenment um we're gonna kick this thing right off so uh i'm gonna get right into it with you mike where are you from westfield massachusetts born and bred uh, down by Abner Gibbs School, um, yeah. West Keep Westfield, going. Mass. Westfield, oh, Westfield native. Yes. <clears throat> but you haven't always lived in Westfield. You've kind of bounced around for a bit. Bounced around a little bit. Uh, let's see. Lived in, spent a long time living in Holyoke. I uh, lived in California and Monterey for a little while, and also uh, I went to Lutheran School down in Atlanta for a little bit. Nice. So I'm, I want to start, I'm going to rewind a little bit here. We're going to kind of take it back to the beginning. Um, growing up in Westfield, uh, I, I think you and I kind of had the similar, a similar gro- uh, youth um, when it comes to BMX. We we're both born and raised Catholics. Uh, <laughs> not that we're getting into religion tonight, but we, you know, we connect on that level. But uh, let's let's talk a little bit about BMX. Um, I know that was a huge part of my life. It's still a huge part of my life, and you're still you're still it, it's still part of your life too. So let's talk about that. Yeah, I, uh, pretty normal, like late '80s kind of kid thing, like friend had a bike was racing had the bmx plus magazines down in the school library hell yeah yeah and it, you know you saw radical rick and you're like yeah i could probably do that maybe one day yeah right but at least you had the idea you could do something really cool because you know the guys in the photos that was like too much a cartoon kind of made sense yep so got racing got my first dyno vfr down at custom cycle on elm street hell yeah and uh dragged it up to whip city bmx and probably lost you know that first season by a lot yeah th- um, that was i think pretty normal that's how it was <laughs> yeah you know there's no sandbag and then, you know eight beginner or whatever no it's like you're going balls out and it's sink or swim you're either coming in first or you're coming in last yeah at that point i was just happy to clear the step up after the uh starting hill oh yeah 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 nice yeah, yeah what a what a difference uh that that track is has gone through over the years it's really never changed except for the goddamn tar uh the asphalt berms which uh I absolutely am not a fan of. I'm a dirt rider. I've always been a dirt rider, and it's like track's supposed to be dirt. Like, but whatever. I mean, I, I understand maintenance wise, and 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 you know when you don't have a lot of people that are volunteering, or you know, I get it. But anyways, yeah, Whip City BMX. Shout out to that place. That was. Uh, uh, we, we wouldn't be here, and you know, it's so since this is a good time to bring this up. We, if uh, you race bikes of any kind, mountain bikes, road bikes. BMX, cyclocross, gravel, whatever you're into, uh, we support that. We support you getting your family into that. So you get 10% off service. Just bring your registration, your plate, your USA BMX license, whatever you have, and we'll take care of you. Um, We like to support the sports we dig. And uh, I'm going to shout out to uh, Full Circle in uh, Florence, Uh, those guys. we've been friends with those folks for a long time and uh they're good people mom and pop bmx bicycle shop and uh they brought scooters in because of my boys so uh it's it's cool to see that kind of evolving you know because i feel like everything kind of tapered off bmx skate scoot you know scootering kind of 
I feel like that's kind of like it's got to trying to find its way um, where BMX and skateboarding, I think, are just solidified in the books, like yeah. real, real deal. Like this is there's a culture behind it, you know, and that the music that's behind that in that culture, you know, I mean, you know, watching the earlier BMX videos, it was like rap, hip hop, punk, yeah. hardcore, you know, thrash. Just it was just a mixed bag of everything. Well, that was like uh, SM Bikes 44 something. That was the soundtrack to that. You know, like Ill Repute, Gorilla Biscuits, stuff that was more off the radar than what I had heard, you know, when I was like 12, 13, yeah. whenever that came out. Um, you know, it was pretty cool uh, introduction to stuff beyond like Black Flag and the Ramones. Yeah, and that's that was the cool thing about BMX. It was like whatever wasn't in is what those guys were listening to and what was getting used in the videos. And, uh, well, they're making a cruiser frame for D Snyder and he's in the video. Yeah. That's badass. You know, like that's yeah. But you didn't know that. Yeah. D Snyder, a Connecticut guy too, right? Out of Connecticut. Yeah. I think he's from Connecticut anyways. Um, so BMX that kind of, you know, I feel like it kind of, for me, it kind of set the tone for how I, handled myself and what I did in life. And it kind of, you know, it's very, it's very, um, I don't, I don't know if I want to use the word anti-establishment, but I think it is a little bit anti-establishment. It's kind of, you know, it's punk rock. Well, especially in like the mid school in the era we came up in, Hell yeah. um, you know, the industry had fallen out of the, the sport, you know, like all those yeah. corporate stuff was gone. It was, you know, guys were doing the Hoffman BS contest for like hundred bucks and like a case of ramen noodles or something. Dude, uh, it, yeah. You know, and they're on these like fifty pound jalopies. You know, the technology wasn't there. It was yes. So gnarly. Yes, and that's why I have such respect for guys of our era that rode. Um, it was just like they just yeah, the equipment was totally different. It was it was heavy. It was bulky. I mean, it was a man's man bike. Like you're, you're, you're riding, you're riding that thing. Now it's like the stuff's come such a long ways with technology. It's just, it's fucking nuts. But you'd get a bike like a complete and it would have one piece cranks. They'd bend the first time you took them to the trails and break the pedals off, crack yeah. the handlebars, <laughs> pull the stem out of the uh, steer tube before yep. the headset came around. Yep. Yeah. It, you know, and at the same time, there was rad stuff like, the early S and M frames, like that was sick. Like, yep. that, you know, that was after like the dyno, it was S and M dirt bikes until yep. I got a ramp room Taj. And yep. then that was like the shit, you know, and it was all tech, but that was an awesome, awesome frame. I yeah. think it still stands up to some degree, you know, geometry wise and all that. You know, And I think too, like a lot of that stuff, like, I mean, we're dirt guys. So it's like that stuff. I don't think, I mean, even though the, everything kind of evolves, it, it feels like there's a kind of an old school vibe going on now in BMX yeah. um, with a lot of the guys our age. You know, now they have kids, the kids are riding, the kids are into it. So it's like you're starting and I'm and I, I enjoy that because I, you know, seeing guys ride dirt. It's like that's that's where it's at. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's that's where it's at. Yeah, I wasn't. That's uh, just my water, just my water jug. We're we're good. <laughs> yeah, no, I was I, I never did well with ramp stuff and street. I was like, all right, but I mean, also I was like, you know, I probably weighed seventy five pounds when I was eleven years old. My yeah. bike weighed forty five. <laughs> you know, on a good day, if I didn't have a mag in the front wheel. Yeah, right. So, you know, there was a lot working against me, mostly gravity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, let's uh, 
let's so BMX kind of transitioned, you know, with the music thing. You started taking a music at a young age, um, an interest in it. When did you start like deciding, like, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna take up an instrument and, and play? Uh, well, I played like in school band. I played like viola in third grade. Oh, okay, cool. And then uh, I did drums in school band, probably from like fourth grade, fifth grade till seventh grade. Um, but I didn't really care much about it. It was just something else to do. Right. Um, and then probably, yeah, it must have been like 14, uh, my friends were starting a band and they were like, we need a bass player. And I was like, oh, viola had four strings. Yeah, why not? Uh, so I bought this, got this crappy bass from uh, Costco for 80 bucks and a Gorilla Practice amp. Yeah. And was off to the races, took lessons. Instead of, I wasn't racing as much by the time I got into that. Um, I was doing more like dirt jumping and, you know, freestyle yep. stuff. And I was a little shit. So my folks, I had to do something after school. So if it wasn't like practice or going to the races, like something to keep me out of trouble. So it's like, you got to go to bass lessons, which is like a, a blessing, like, you know. So it kind of like, as I got better at bass and more into like doing the band stuff, because it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to learn the bass guitar. It was like, oh, my friends need somebody for the band. So off the jump, it was like, learning how to be in a band when nobody knows what they're doing in a band yeah and learning how to play the thing you know right and so that was probably what 14 15 when you started I'd say 14 yeah because by the time i was 15 we were all already playing shows and stuff okay and uh first band you were on uh stormtroopers okay stormtrooper my buddy aaron that uh also played drums and last in line the band we did after that um it was our first band and, uh, nice. It might have had a different name. I don't. I don't know. The very earliest version of it might have been something else. Okay. I can't remember. Um, we did that for like a year or two, and then we started last in line with some older guys, and uh, we were just like jamming twice a week for hours on end and playing gigs every weekend and stuff. And, nice. Yeah, that was kind of it. And then, and then that kind of that replaced bikes per- for a couple of years. Yeah, it's funny. Like even though, <clears throat> if even if you're not riding anymore, it's still it's still in you. Like it's still there, like that lifestyle. Like it's just the whole, the culture, um, which is probably kind of where we get the drive that we have. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I contribute that to, to BMX because it's like, you're, you're competing against yourself. You're, you're pushing yourself to do things out of your comfort zone. I know a lot of times and me being a bigger dude too, uh, you know, I was, I was never always this big, but I was always big. Um, you know, I, when I fell, I, I I'd go down <laughs> and it's like, sometimes you're a little hesitant to get back. Like, oh shit. Am I going to hit that again? Yeah. I'm going to do it again. Um, but, uh, okay. So you, you started playing in bands you progressively started kind of touring around. Yeah. Yeah. After, uh, summer, I graduated high school. We went out on a little tour for like a week around the East coast. Hell yeah. Um, that was like the first thing we did. Um, and then it, it was pretty much every summer after that. Nice. Um, <laughs> and in very, the shop to open, y- yeah. you know, in some form or another, whether it was professionally, uh, for work as a tech or with, you know, punk rock bands and like that yep. crappy band. Yeah. And that's, you probably get, um, an appreciation, uh, touring with punk bands and the equipment and, you know, then going out on a professional on a on a professional tour, I'm sure was probably a kind of an eye opening thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, and I mean, it was, you know, the 
BMX thing, what you learn was how to make your own fun. Like you're building the trails, yep. you're building the jumps, you're building the ramp, uh, you're sweeping out a street spot if you find one, whatever. And when you're a little kid, right? When you're the little, little kid at the trails, the older kids are making you dig, like you're getting the water for the lift. Yep. And, I'll, and yeah. if you want to ride, like there's, you know, you get older guys slack and nobody busts them too much, but the yep. little kid, like you're- You're working, you're yeah. working. So you get that hammered into you. That, but then yep. you see, you'll crash, you'll smash yourself, you'll get hurt. But then like one day you're like, oh, whoa, I can do an X up now, right? So I think getting into something like that so young, it kind of wires your brain for it. Sure. And like, I was obsessed with, the magazines and the bikes and the companies and yeah the, i mean there were so many characters in the sport at the time like oh my god Todd lions and dave climber and these dudes yeah. they were just animals it was awesome wild um so like getting into graphic design and then you know becoming a luthier and stuff a lot of it the inspiration comes from like you know like a brand like snm they were like the rider own brand pirate ship like us against the world yep and uh you know, looking back, it's like if it wasn't for following that stuff so avidly as a kid, like that's that's like the business as education I got growing up was watching like Standard Bikes and SM and Hoffman and all these like rider own companies sprout uh, when the industry shit the bed. Yeah, it was crazy time when when that all kind of came to a came oh, to dude. an end. There was all the cool stuff like the underground products, like clothes and the poor boys stuff. Hell yeah! It, like I have an underground products uh, messenger bag. That's probably from 92, 93 that I still take to every gig with me. That's awesome. Day. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, peace of your youth. I'm going to you know, take that with you. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, that's, well, and again, it's like, again, you're, you know, you're not riding BMX, but it's still, again, it goes back to, it's still a part of you. Right. Um, so I, I guess we'll, uh, I want to talk about uh, a couple, a couple. So you went to, let's talk about the Luthier school thing. Yeah. So, at the time, what, 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 how did you gravitate into becoming a luthier? Like, what was the, was there somebody that kind of like said, Hey, this is what you should do. Or did you just kind of like take an interest in, in doing that or. Well, so when I got home from Costco, when I got that first bass guitar, the first thing I did was take it apart because as a young BMX rat, yeah. you know, you're packing ball bearings. Yeah. You're, you're taking it apart. Old, yeah. You're know? taking you're it yeah. blowing up the wheelbarrow, you know? So I was like, let's make, how does this thing tick? Yeah. Take it. Okay. Put it back together. I think everything's together. Right. And, uh, then I just started playing the top string fast as I could with like a three millimeter pick. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, kind of from then on in having that, like, take care of your own bike, build your own trails mindset with my guitars. It was kind of the same. Like my grandfather bought me some books on guitar maintenance. And oh, nice. Things like that. And he had like a wood shop in the basement growing up. So, you know, I was already doing like some woodworking stuff. Yep. It's really like hands-on. Um, I went to Westfield Vogue for printing and design. So running offset presses, you know, knowing a little bit about wood shops, all that yep. kind of added to it. Um, I was working in print when I decided to go to school. Um, I'd always fix my own stuff for the most part on tour because I had no money. And there was a guy in town, Chris Mowat, that was like awesome. Like he built like a cool acrylic body for my body nice yeah 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 yep, nice um you know but you know it was a big thing for me to have 50 bucks to go get a setup or something whatever yeah point so i just kind of figured out best i could to get through um and i was just playing a lot a lot a lot and touring around and 
recording, practicing, gigging, and I was working in print at the time at a print shop, and it was 08 when, like, the economy started going to hell, and, you know, the boss is kind of going around, people are getting laid off, people are getting hours cut, people are getting money cut from their hourly wage, and I'm like, I gotta find something new, so I go checking online, maybe I'll go to school for, like, and I dug machine shop, maybe I can get into machining, or carpentry or one of the trades right yep uh so i started looking around and i'd always kind of looked at luther luthier schools and uh roberto venn was something i could never afford so i didn't really know where to go one day i'm at work on the clock looking around and i find a school in atlanta uh atlanta guitar works that i could afford i put in my two weeks notice and hell dude <laughs> yeah that, that's and uh yeah that that was that you know that's uh that's that's bmx right there yeah that's that's hardcore that yeah fuck you i'm done yeah, see ya over it yeah. yeah good and you haven't looked back no no i mean well i guess in some ways i i do a lot of design work still graphic design guitar design yep um, design projects for other people there's a lot that i do it's nice to not be doing that for work. It's more to be doing it like contributing to something and making something. Yeah. You're helping create art for someone. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right on. That's, that's rad. Um, so, so you went to guitar, you went to luthier school. Uh, well, how many, how long was that? A few months? Yeah, it was a couple months. It was a little short program. Um, it was like three months. I remember the first Sunday was the only day I wasn't there. And after the first week, I was there from probably like once they gave us keys and a passcode to get in. I was there from like six in the morning till three in the morning, like just rolling. We built a, uh, two guitars each, and you know had all kinds of projects like refrets and building nuts. Yep. And I was just in it. <laughs> I well, was going for it. Well, that's all. I mean, and that's you know that's when you you're passionate about something. And you wanna you wanna get you know you're not a half-ass type dude. I'm not a half-ass type dude. Like we just, you like things a certain way. And when, when you're learning to do something, I know you want to know as much as you can and affect what you're doing. Yeah. Um, so no, that's, that's freaking awesome. And why not? I mean, you're there. And if you have the uh, chance to, uh, to get in there and, and do all that stuff, then, uh, then that's totally fine. Yeah. Or just doing a little readjustment on the, uh, in the Instagram uh, video. I think you're good. There you are. There you are. <clears throat> so, uh, so Luthier School wraps up. So, uh, what did you do right after you got out of Luthier School? Uh, made a shop in my parents' basement and ripped all my guitars apart immediately. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can uh, fix these now. <laughs> made, a, made a complete fucking mess out of a couple uh, yard sale guitars and just started just went after it like just you know uh i was what was i doing i was doing some part-time work i think i was going back to the print shop and uh for a while i was working for a health insurance company running their print shop um while doing all the repair work um after like two years or so it kind of picked up and i was doing enough that it made a full-time job kind of difficult yeah and kind of got to the point with that that okay, maybe I can go on tour as a tech and try that avenue instead of working like a corporate gig. Yep. And uh, as they say, the universe provided. Yep. <laughs> it all worked out. Nice. So uh, what was your first, I guess, 
after you decided to do that, who, who were you, who did you go out with? What was the, one of the first acts that you uh, went and teched for? Well, the first and pretty much the main one for my career was Kill Switch Engage. Um, you know, between the guys and my good friend Josh, that's a production manager, um, one of the guitar techs, and I've been with him forever. Um, you know, between all that and them needing somebody and me kind of like, I'll do whatever. Yep. Like, yeah, I did a tour and then uh, they had another guy for a few. And then when he was kind of all set with it, I kind of came in and did that basically exclusively for the rest of my career i worked with a couple other bands yeah um, for a tour here or there but i'd get off tour and i'd just be down in the workshop busting away <laughs> i was i was printing the wall street journal over nights in between tours uh dow jones oh no shit oh life. nice uh yeah just you know you know yeah hustling <laughs> d- d- yeah you gotta you gotta do what you gotta do right yeah. I, that's that that's uh you gotta eat you gotta have uh, a place to live so yeah you gotta do what you gotta do plus the smell of blanket washing it 5 a.m. is pretty glorious. Intoxicating. Uh, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, th- so things kind of wrapped up with Killswitch, uh, touring with them, guitar teching, um, and that's kind of when Black Holes kind of came about. Yeah, yeah, so I did that. Um, to- 2017, we got to the end of a record cycle, and there was going to be quite a blip with no work while the uh, guys worked on a new album. So I went to my mentor and, you know, we were talking about every year since school, I was saying, you know, should we get going with this? No, not yet. Keep working, Mm -hmm. just practicing. So at that point he said, all right, here's your budget. You have, you know, a year, eight months, whatever, until there's definite work again. Um, See what you can find. If you can't figure it out and then go back on the road. I signed a lease up at Hampton Ponds Plaza in Westfield, like two or three weeks after that. And we opened the doors like three months after that. Hell yeah. yeah. Buy the ticket, take the ride. As the, yeah, uh, the right. Once said. Yeah, that buckle up. Here we go. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, and I remember yeah, when I first met you down there. Um, so it's been. The former site of MSC. And oddly enough, we, we didn't meet there between like a show or I, like it, being at the skate park. It wasn't much of a park rap, but. I wasn't all either. The same friends and. Yeah. You know, Burger weasel like you know ogs and the uh you know pro uh, back yeah. back date those dudes were pro writers like you know sponsored yeah. you know snm you know in the magazines and it's like yeah i know these dudes they're yeah. fucking assholes just like me yeah don't yeah. be a pussy hit the jump let's go and, and yeah. i will for, forever thank them for that yeah well, <laughs> you know and that 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 mentality though that that that's what give, gives gives you know that generation their drive yeah. you know watching the older dudes hit the jumps you know and teaching was, you how to it dig it was dude i it was still t- like 10 cents yeah. to call home yeah it yeah. was nobody had a cell phone it was like uh yeah i'm going over so-and-so's house and it's like yeah we're taking off on our bikes and we're gonna do whatever the fuck we want yeah. you know and yeah. that was that was i loved that You'd have your little crew <laughs> yeah you, like, you know the sun would be coming up in august or july right yeah vacation and you'd hear it. You'd hear the clanking coming down the street. Yep. Say, oh, there they are. Yep. One dude's dragging a rake. One dude's dragging a shovel. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. That was, you know, we, we'd we go to Mountain Jumps before they got bulldozed. Oh, yeah. Um, that, yeah, that place first, was. First backflip I ever saw live was at a jam there. Like oh, no Francisco shit. Francisco did it. it was so oh, sick. dude, he's, yeah, he, fuck, there's cool. an OG. Yeah. 
And that was like backflips were still kind of new back then. So that was like, yeah, sick. it's, I watched a kid do a backflip on a scooter the other night. And I, I, I'm like, like on a bike, I don't know. It's, I'm like it's, a 1993, six, you know, 60 pound standard. Yes. STA you're th- or yeah. Whatever. You're throwing, you're throwing, you're throwing weight. You're throwing fucking weight. And all you had to figure out how to do it was whatever you saw live or a sequence picture. Yeah. Right. Plus. Yeah. Cause nobody's doing that. Nobody's doing backflips. Now it's like, dude, I can't even keep up with these guys now. Oh, it's, it is. I and love it's watching the new stuff. Like where, for a while, like in the early 2000s, it got so tech. It was like, okay, this is getting to be like circus tricks. It's a little much. And then, then Dead Man stuff came back, and it was like, yeah. Dude. But now it's like everybody is so sick at everything. Like dudes are doing like flatland lines in the middle of street runs. And Dude, it, I know. it's. I love it. It's so cool to watch. It's like yeah, it, it is. I want to like throw up and go to the hospital looking at my 20-inch bike. Yeah. Like. I can just feel it. Oh and yeah, the downhill bike's fine. You know? Yeah, well, but, yeah, that that thing's absorbing a lot of that. Yeah. A lot of that, uh, you know, your body is the is the shock absorber on a BMX bike. Yeah, you're feeling it in your arms, your hands, well, your I, knees. I, to, uh, I, I have a standard STA that I would bring around on a was it Trail Boss. STA, same thing, right? Trail yeah, Boss. Trail Boss. Trail Boss. Yeah. I'd bring it on tour, uh, summer tours or Kill Switch, and it was like awesome to like ride around and check spots out. And like do little wall rides and hit stuff. But Hell yeah, man, man. And I was like racing downhill at the time. I was on bikes. Like yeah, it wasn't like I had been off a bike, but I was on a twenty-six inch bike with eight inches of travel. That's ma- you know you can't pedal the thing. Yep, it's a magic carpet. And uh, getting on the BMX, yeah, it, yeah, it's a big because for a while I stopped. It tears you up. Oh, dude, like I when I first hopped on my you know I bought a my buddy had East Hampton bicycle at the time. And I'm like, I hadn't ridden in, fuck, probably 10 years. And I was like, you know, fat and out of shape. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get into mountain biking. He's like, oh, get, you know, you want to get something with some type of suspension on it. And I'm like, oh, I'll get, you know, front suspension, hardtail. Like, like I'm, I'm cool with that. And it was like, and I, you know, riding, you know, we'd ride Tuesday nights. We'd ride the mountain, Mount Tom, do, oh, yeah. do the ridge line, then drop back down uh, the backside or come down the, um, we come down the front side um, into the fields where the, where the, on East Street there. But just fucking awesome downhill through there. Uh, that was that was good stuff. And then I, we, that, when I was living in Holyoke, my buddy that I raced with, Alex, we would uh, we would push up the uh, power line trail. Oh really? <laughs> we would push up that like getting ready for a race. Hell like, yeah! You know, like just at dusk when you know. Yeah, perfect time. Might not be around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And. Uh, Man, we scared the living hell out of more than a couple couples up there for a, a twilight walk. Yeah, here we come, <laughs> banging down the mountain. Here oh we come. Dude, we, last time I rode, we we were riding up there, and there was a guy on a he had a Gary Fisher full suspension. I'm, it was a badass bike, and uh, we're like, hey, do you want, do you want to ride with us? And he's like, yeah. There was like ten or twelve of us. There was always like a big group. So he's like, yeah, I'll ride with you guys. We're like, oh, cool. Well, we're coming to bombing down the mountain and uh, it's like we stopped and we're waiting and we're waiting. I'm like, where the fuck is this guy? So my buddy's Matt's like, I'm going to ride back and just see where he is. Well, he fucking launched into a tree, broke his fucking collarbone, broke his wrist, <laughs> like got fucked Classic. up, got fucked up. And then he wouldn't let us like help him out of the off the mountain. We're like, dude, like you're like 
like, how did you get here? He's like, I rode from Chickabee. We're like, what the fuck? Like, so how are you getting home? He's like, when I get down to the route five, I'll call my brother. And we're like, all right. It's like seven 30 quarter eight, you know, like, like it is outside right now. Like, you know, getting dark and we're like, what the fuck? And then he gave us this, a cell phone number that it, of his brother. And he said, just call him in like an hour or so and see if I made it. And Crazy. we called him and he made it out and he was on his way to the hospital. But it was like, that was my, that was like my last like real ride I did was watching this poor son of a bitch get absolutely destroyed. It'll happen. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, Hey, you know, that's one thing. It's like, you kind of know your limitations and you some, and sometimes, well, yeah. I know how it is. Like you get around people, they antagonize, you know, especially, you know how it is. The BMA, it's just, the yeah, you're, yeah. you want to have fun. And it's like, oh yeah, I can do this. And it's like, okay. Uh, and uh, yeah, he got jammed up, but, um, but yeah, anyways. Um, RIP. Yeah. The guy's dead. Do he, he's, I, I, I'm sure he had, has significant issues down the, like, because he was like, uh, hopefully he doesn't haunt us. He was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So, so no that's cool so well you know what let's 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 jump into that right now that's that's a good that's a good segue into uh supernatural yeah like that's a thing um you're into i'm into um let's kind of let's kind of yeah because i you know, it was crazy <clears throat> you know i'm preparing to do that to do our talk tonight and the other night i'm talking to my father and uh he says to me, yeah, you know, he's, I'm sitting in the chair in the living room. It was like 11 o'clock at night. He's like, all of a sudden a figure appears, walks across the living room, walks to the front door, then completely just vanishes. And I said, who was it? He's like, I think it was your grandfather. And he's like, and I said, Hey, Hey Joe, how are you? And he's like, and it was just like, as soon as it, he saw it walking, it just like, just, just disappeared time was it at 11 o'clock at night he was watching probably some army movie or or whatever just hanging out i mean him and you know just a backstory with my grandfather you know basically that was his childhood home uh you know lived there grew up on the farm didn't die there died in the um died in the hospital but i kind of feel like he's like i see shit there all the time like i see stuff out of the corner you know you catch it in your peripheral you can see movement you can catch figures or whatever there's you know there's i don't know i kind of always feel like i i can feel it yeah you know you know it's just not uh seeing something it's you feel it yes (laughs) and and, i mean you've been having those experiences for a long time yeah when did they start for you like five or six five or six five or six yeah uh woke up one night and in the doorway thought it was my mom at first but it wasn't my mom (laughs) yeah and it was kind of like a fuzzy figure of a person and it kind of uh floated in but kind of started coming in the room and i just put my head under the covers and did a sign of the cross and that was it it was gone when i peeked my head back out um yeah kind of since then it's been a thing and knock on wood it's been pretty quiet couple years for the most part okay overall um yeah there's a lot of weird stuff do you uh, you know and i and i try to always wrap my head around this and try to figure that out 
what are your thoughts? Like, how, how, why do you think we're, we sense that stuff or, you know, you, you see it or feel it like, oh, do you think it's just, we're tuned into that type of energy or like, or we're open to it or I, I don't know. I try to wrap my head around that and I, I really can't. Yeah. It could be being open to it. Um, you know, like kids are really open to it by nature. Yep. Um, so I don't know if it's like, if you experience something like that as a kid, and it doesn't just kind of like either terrify you or kind of roll like get brushed aside like if you actually like start to think like what was that and then you know you get to school in the library they have the ghost book and the Loch Ness monster and UFOs and all that cool stuff yep. um you start wondering but then you hear people in your family oh I saw this and that and the other thing yeah and, you know I didn't tell anybody about it for years because you know yeah, think I'm know? think I'm nuts or you know like oh you're too little to you know put put your head around it grasp yeah. it yeah it, it it was uh you know I was kind of freaked out by like scary stuff when I was like a little little kid so um it freaked me out for sure yeah you know but it's no nah, that's nothing you were dreaming yep you know, but it's funny because I like old school horror movies yeah like this new shit I can't I can't get into and I it just and I'm not sure why. I don't know if it's just too much of a mind fuck thing, but it's like that shit always kind of put me off. But like, like the stuff you see or, you know, you know, I like seeing shit flying at night in the sky. Like I've, I've seen so many fucking odd things in the sky and it's like, what was that? Like, you know, well, and that's a whole, I think that's totally unrelated. Yeah. Know? Yeah. The, I think it's a whole nother thing. Um, because right now, you know, there's so right now it's all such, it's all in your face right now. The UFO stuff. And yeah. Oh, now it's interdimensional, and it's like Dude. the blue beam stuff. Oh, uh, aliens are real, but by the way, it's all you know, Lockheed and Raytheon making them. Yeah, uh, right. So don't worry about the aliens. Like, yeah. We got the UFOs, you know. Yeah. Uh, so it's almost like, kind of a funny like disclosure moment <laughs> that we're living through, but everything going on with it, the interdimensional and all this stuff. And now, you know, a lot of people talk about like theories on like, you know, ghosts and spirits being that Bigfoot, all, all this stuff is kind of Conne connected. I mean, it's all connected. I would say. Yeah. I, I, th I think, I think so too. But at the same time, it's different phenomena. I think there's just phenomena. I think there's, you know, just like there's colors that we can't see because of our eyes, you know, yeah, the, the color spectrum that our eyes can see, uh, you know, there's all kinds of other stuff. Yeah. Um, the camera flipped over there just a little bit. Oh, yeah. Our, we're doing a live stream on Instagram, too. So we're trying to capture some video for the people that couldn't uh, get on with um, with yeah. us on Podbean here. Podbeaners. But don't worry. Hey, it has sound this time, though. Yeah, we got sound. Yeah, nobody's been... Yeah. Yeah, it looks like we still have sound. <clears throat> so, ah. yeah, so that I, you know... I think that, yeah, I think that stuff's all kind of tied in. Like there's just that energy. It's coming from somewhere else. I don't know. It's a little, it's, it's, I enjoy it. I enjoy that stuff. And, uh, it's great when it's like afterwards when it's happening, well, it's not awesome. Yeah. No, no. I, I mean, <laughs> you I know, but like, yeah. the, um, it's funny. Cause like there's been points in my life where like, 
things would be happening a lot and I didn't want to watch horror movies or like read books where it's like, I got to get out of this frame of mind. So like in that sense, it's like, you know. Yeah, you don't, sometimes you don't want, no, I get it. And and your mood too, like. I think certain times it, it, you, you're affected in different ways. And, uh, you know, maybe, I don't know. Like, I mean, I talk to, I talk, not that I talk, talk, but I, I ask for guidance, you know, from the other side, from past friends that have passed away or, you know, relatives or whatever. And I kind of always feel like they may not be directly, but there's like an indirect intervention or, you know, like a little push or a nudge, like, Hey, you know, do this, you know? And it, 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 I don't know. Yeah. I yeah. just, I just feel like, cause we're, I mean, we're connected with everything. I think that that energy is. Yeah. Whatever you believe, you know, the universe or karma or God or whatever. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, well, you can kind of put it under like synchronicity to a way too. Yeah. You know, um, you know, something like you're putting it out there, right. Like talking to like an old friend or something. But you're kind of putting it out there and you're kind of like at the same time as you're kind of like talking about it, you're also like opening your mind to it. Like sure. more. Yeah. And then, you know, almost subconsciously, like you're more aware of like little signs or little. Absolutely. Something happens and you might, you know, something you might overlook normally. Uh, you take a little more seriously. Yeah. Wait, n- why did that? Why is this? This makes no sense. Why yeah. Is this here? Yeah. No, no, I dude, I why totally this, get why that. Why is this guy calling me? I, 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 like. The universe, like, <clears throat> yeah, it works in strange ways. And you take a little time to listen and, uh, you know, things just start happening. Um, but, uh, yeah, so so back to Supernatural. Um, so you kind of, through your life, you've kind of experienced that stuff, um, you know, and, and you and I have talked it pretty in depth on it. Um, is, there, is there, like, anything, like, that really stood out to you in any of your experiences? Yeah, there's a few. Um, I mean, the wildest one was I was living with my buddy at the time. I was probably like 21, 22, and eh, probably somewhere around there. And we're, we're in this like third floor apartment. My my room was just a closet in the living room uh, that like kind of went behind the TV. Yep. And it was like wide enough for a, a twin mattress, and it was like a little bookshelf at the foot of the bed and that's where i lived <laughs> so like one year uh we were having a holiday party because we all got turkeys and hams and free stuff from work for for the holidays so we had this party the night before i was leaving for tour um we all hung out we all partied down um i didn't drink i had like a beer that night um and like people had moonshine, like their trucker <laughs> uncles like brought home for Christmas. Like, yeah, and, like, try this. People were going crazy. Yeah, like, punk house, and like, you know, I was like, I got to put seven inch records together, and I got to pack, and I got to be up at like five in the morning. Yeah, so I was like playing it pretty cool, and uh, everybody starts passing out, leaving, whatever. My buddy's girlfriend is helping me put records together. She passes out, goes to sleep on the couch with my buddy. I finish packing, go to bed, go in my little closet room. Yeah. And uh, I'm just kind of sitting there like, wow, you know, and I would always leave the door open a bit so he could get in. And well, I'm kind of laying there thinking about like heading out on tour. This guy like 
pokes at this really, really tall, skinny guy. Pokes his, like, head in under the door and, like, kind of comes up. And he's, like, not so tall he's touching the ceiling, but almost so he's crouched a little bit. But he's definitely taller than the door frame. And uh, <laughs> he's, he's in a white suit, um, the black tie, and he's got a Fu Manchu. He's got, like, black eyes. And he's smiling. He's got, like, a white hat with a black band on it. It's, like, a real, like, it, the first full-body apparition I saw was, like, hazy and fuzzy, like a cartoon ghost or something. This was, like, you and I looking at each like other. This detail. Was like, detail. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know. And you couldn't really tell, like, what time it was from. You know, it was the hat, the dress style of suit wasn't from any particular era but old. Um but he kind of looked at me and he pointed point his hand out. Motioned to me, like, wiggling his finger, come here, you know. Um, and I was paralyzed, frozen. And I remember thinking, I'm never going to sleep again. And then he vanished. He's gone. And then I passed out and had the most peaceful night of my sleep that I really probably had in years and for years after. Um, went on tour, forgot all about it, got home, and... <laughs> I'm here alone and yeah, I yeah. just remembered this. Yeah, like, oh, fuck. Nothing else happened again there. Um, but with Synchronicity, I uh, when I opened the first shop, our maintenance guy for the plaza, we got talking one day and turned out he had lived on that street and he had seen shadow people and all kinds of stuff on that. Oh, road. really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he had been off, he was offering this, you know, I lived in this apartment, blah, 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 tell me all this stuff. So after he told me about it, I told him. And we kind of realized we lived on the same street at different times. Oh, no shit. Yeah. So there was something there. There's some some energy. Yeah. And I mean, Westfield. Westfield is. It's old. It's old. It's old. It's the oldest westernmost point of the Massachusetts Bay Colony. It's like 1669, but people were here before that. Yeah, it's old. Old stuff. And there's a lot, a lot of haunted places in town. Yeah. And the Knox Trail uh, goes through here. Yep. And uh, I know that's... We have that rock in front of the tavern that says George Washington walked by here once. That's awesome. A pretty sick monument. Yeah. Yeah, he was here. The, the General Shepherd statue is pretty cool and all, but I mean, that rock. That's pretty badass. George walked by one day. Yeah. George was here. <laughs> George was here, Hank. He pissed over there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, that's awesome. We have a gilded spittoon coming up on North Elm. Um to celebrate it yeah. over by the 9-11 memorial <laughs> that obelisk that why is there a washington monument <laughs> you know, that's a, that's awesome yeah i know um i had a friend that uh he worked for dcr and uh he actually went off of the old land surveys that they did when they had when they actually like had the knox trail it was just a giant native american graveyard <laughs> dude he was telling me about like he's like that whole trail He's like, you can hear people screaming oh, yeah. like, you know, there was so much death on that on the Knox Trail. And he's like, you can still find artifacts oh, yeah. uh, pre-Civil War, you know, uh, American Revolutionary War stuff. Um, you know, uh, he had found I think he, I want to say he found like a, it was like a jacket button um, and they had found some other things, maybe some silverware or something um, of that nature. But, uh, yeah, that that whole that whole area is uh, is pretty wild and. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of crazy stuff. 
Cobble Mountain Critter. The Cobble Mountain Critter. <laughs> you, I mean, you, Cobble Mountain, you know, pre-9-11, like when you go up there, before they shut the road down, you go to the reservoir on a Friday night, like, you know, uh, hike down to the gates of hell and get spooked out and all that. Yeah. But, like, there was weird stuff. People would find cats nailed to trees, and, you know, there's a million ghost stories and weird stuff about cults and... You know, everybody I know that ever went up there in high school on a spooky night has some kind of weird encounter story about something going on up there. I don't know anybody that ever saw the Cobble Mountain Critter, but oh, yeah. I had a big body voices coming from the pump houses. And, you know, you think about it, too, like because that whole that's like the backside or like Russell area. Um, A lot of mills up there, you know, Uh, real Strathmore. Yeah. Strathmore paper was, you know, that that was a city at one point and employed like tons of people you know and then you think about you know when we had the um the industrial revolution and the safety you know people dying on job sites and it was like commonplace like yeah so and so died or whatever but that energy is still kicking around up there um yeah that's that's pretty wild i never saw i think a lot of it is it's older too i think it's from way before we got here i think there's ancient i think there's something very very old in these yet uh these here hills you know, it's funny you say that. Um, so, like, up through Savoy Mountain, uh-huh. um, going up into uh, the Bennington Triangle. I don't oh, know yeah. if you ever – yeah. Yeah, I spent a weekend up there. Oh, crazy, right? Up there? Very weird. Very weird. I didn't I didn't see it, but I, somebody I was with claimed that they saw a large hairy figure in the woods that wasn't a bear. A lot, of, lot of Sasquatch activity up there. Mm. A lot of – I mean – if you believe that, which I, I, I had a Bigfoot encounter, so I, I definitely believe in that. Um, oh, yeah, your story's bananas. Yeah. Absolutely out of control. Yeah, that was, you know, and it's funny, I haven't gone back in the woods um, archery deer hunting since that since that day. Like, it just, I'm like, you know, I'm good. Like, I'm good. And it was funny because after I had the encounter, um, the there was a girl that um, – she, she was, you know, a researcher and I sent her some information like, Hey, this is what, what just happened. Blah, blah, blah. She's like, Oh, go get some, go get some casting material and ca- go see if you can cast some tracks. And I'm like, after what I just fucking heard, like, that's the last thing I'm doing walking down there with a bow and arrow. Like, yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. no. What I did is I came out of my tree stand. And I went home. That was, uh, I was done. There. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it spooked me out for, you know, it was, a, it was a bit, it was a bit, you know, um, so just, I, I guess maybe I'll tell the story real quick. Yeah. I, it's, it's, yeah. It's awesome. so, so, you know, um, yeah, I was up in my tree stand and I'm hanging out and it was early morning, you know, sun hadn't come up yet. Sitting there, I could hear a pack of coyotes. I could Ooh. hear, you know, and you know how they sound. It's oh. fucking nuts. And then when they get on something, it's like, holy shit. It sounds like World War Three, just things getting, going crazy. And I heard, I heard what I can only describe as it sounded like a freight train coming through the woods. And, you know, I've jumped bear. I've seen moose in the woods hurt. You know, that was probably the closest thing I could describe it as was like a moose just cutting a trail through the woods. And uh, then the, the coyotes got extremely quiet and then whatever the, it sounded like, I don't know, cross between a gorilla and a bear and it, it was it was just it was so eerie 
you know, and the only thing I can describe it as anything that I've ever heard that a Sasquatch, a vocalization like that, when they, when they scream, that's, that's what it sounded like. And then. And, and what did that sound like? Dude, it was, it was, it started off at like a low, like a, like a roar, but it just got so fucking loud. And it was like, dude, I'm, I'm like. It, like just talking about it like because i'm thinking about yeah, that out. that mo- that moment it was like uh, like i don't I, the only thing i can describe as if you go on like you know finding bigfoot or you know youtube video like those guys it um, wasn't the uh, samurai chatter don't no, dude it was the uh, it was straight up fucking scream like the most and then it just got fucking louder and i'm like oh my god and then the the, the coyotes were like there was nothing like, and I mean, I'm talking a pack of coyotes and nothing. And then I hear this thing take off and it sounded like something was getting dragged behind it, but it was like taken off, like moving. And I'm like, what? Well, and, and I was up on top of a, I was up on a 15 foot tree stand and below me was this little trail, like a horse trail. And then below that was like a 50 foot embankment, maybe, maybe 30 foot but it went down into a, like a stream. There's water that ran through there. And so that was where it was. And then on the backside's an apple orchard. And as it, it, it did another vocalization, as I would say, I say halfway from, from where it was before, you know, getting further away. Mm-hmm. And then I could just hear it and it gave out another little thing. And then that was it. And I had never been like, like when your adrenaline gets going, and you start, you can feel it, like it's really going. It was, uh, I mean, my legs were like pumping, pumping, and I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, I'm gonna get ripped out of my tree stand by by Sasquatch, you know? Yeah, uh, uh, yeah that was, uh, um, yeah, I, 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 I haven't been back in the woods early in the morning. I haven't been back up in a tree stand for, for deer. Uh, that just that was done i was like yeah i'm good like understandable yeah it was that was uh that was it was wild that was probably my most uh you know i i don't think i've ever had any other encounters with bigfoot um but that was like ingrained in my brain like i will never forget that and uh you know it was cool but uh, you know again it was it was cool be now i look back on it and it still freaks me out but it's like that was like what I encountered was unique, but I feel like all this stuff, the ghosts, you know, seeing stuff or, you know, just like feelings. Like I can, like when I'm in a place and you feel something oh yeah, and it's like, okay, I'm either going to, I'm good or I'm leaving. Like I'm just, yep, I'm good. Um, you know, I've had a lot of those experiences. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, that would happen all the time on tour. Um, wake up and go into a club first thing in the morning. Sometimes it was just like, this place feels weird. You get talking with like stage crew and be like, Oh yeah, go, go talk to the bartender. She has like a weird story from last month at 3 AM when she was closing up. Oh, cool. Or you find out, Oh yeah, this, this place was built on like, you know, 15 Indian burial grounds yeah. or something. Sorry about that. Yeah. yeah. And, there, and there was a satanic altar, like under, you know. It's, yeah. Yeah. Those are, those are places you just want to, okay, cool. We played there. We were there. I'm, I'm good. Places in general, you know. 
you walk into Walmart and get weirded out. Yeah. For, like, I, non-normal reasons. Yeah. <laughs> well, Walmart. Walmart's one of those places you walk in and you're like, what the fuck? Dude, Walmartians, man. Yeah. Chickabee's a good one to go watch. Like the like, I think Chickabee's made people of Walmart that uh, <laughs> that um, I forgot about. That, that. Yeah, that, that's a whole thing. But um, back back on the supernatural stuff, because uh, <laughs> we could go down a whole fucking rabbit hole with that we're, shit. We're gonna be talking about e bombs real before we know. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, so you know, supernatural stuff. You know, you, you the ghosts and everything. Hey, can I get? One of I'm gonna. T- I'll, I'll grab one of those. Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna catch the wave. Um, let's talk about some alien stuff. Yeah. Um, I you know the shop is kind of themed after aliens and uh and uh you know the black hole and uh you know and shout out to Bob Lazar for fine. Now he's getting his well deserved respect. My man Bob. Dude, fucking every every day, every day is proven. More and more right. And it's like, hey, guess what? Bob said that back in the 80s. And everybody was like, this guy's a fucking liar. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And it's like, and that was the one thing with Bob Lazar. His stories never, it was like, here's what yeah. I told you. Here's what's going on. Well, even the stuff where it's gotten weird, where he was like running like the prostitution ring or strippers. Or he had like some, he's like filming porno or something. Like he had some weird thing that they've, they've always tried to like get him on. Yeah, he's, maybe. I mean... You know, like men in black come and destroy your life and you're stuck living in the desert. What the hell else are you going to What are you going to do? Like a guy that makes a Honda into a rocket ship car. Yeah, he was he's, he yeah, was a badass. A yeah, he is. He's yeah. fucking awesome. Yeah, Pop- well, I remember like back in like the 90s, like in high school, it was like, man, this dude's talking about. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. This isn't just a fuzzy picture in a book from the school library or the Westfield Athenaeum. Like this is like some weird dude in the shadows that first like interview oh yeah dude yeah that was um george knapp i think did his first did his first interview and now it's like it's great you know jeremy corbeal has you know brought george knapp back out into into the but it's like this guy was reporting on this shit back in the 80s and asking not that he was a believer but he just wanted to know truth he's like Okay, here's another report. Here's another report. Here's another report. Okay, this person's claiming this. And then, yeah. you know, he gets Bob Lazar ends up doing an interview and it's like. Like George and like uh, Linda Moulton Howe, like, you know, they've been at it forever. Just compiling, and compiling. Yep. You know. Which is, which is, and, you know, and, and, you know, hats off to him too for, for sticking with it and not, I mean. Cause you know, dude, when people find out you're into aliens and Bigfoot and, and, and ghosts, they're like, Oh man. Oh, th- okay. Like, but I feel now it's like, it's, it's definitely more accepted. Well, I, well, I think should we get into project Serpo? Let's do yeah. why it's more accepted. You, we let's, yeah, t- let's talk about it. All right. So Serpo is like, there's a lot of feelings about Serpo. Complete hoax, partial hoax, whatever. This is the. <laughs> I'm all in on Serpo, whether it's real or not. You this like is, this you, is, you you like Ser- it. Serpo is my one bit of the lore and phenomena that I'm pretty into, and I think if I haven't read so much for so long, and there's just so many pieces that kind of put together. I think if I read some of these books like 10 years ago on project Serpo, I would have been like, I don't know about this one. It's almost like Virginia, the James Fox moment of contact. 
about the Brazilian case where the aliens got uh, taken to hospitals and a guy died and all this stuff back in 96. Um, that was one of the cases I had heard about, but there was never much about it. And it was like, eh, that sounds a little crazy. Yeah. And uh, so Serpo essentially starts with Roswell. Uh, actually, it starts beh- before Roswell. <laughs> so Len Caston has a great book called uh, The Secret Journey to Pro- uh, Planet Serpo. In a nutshell, here's here's how it goes. Uh, so the Nazis build a base. They team up with the reptilians. I, I love this. <laughs> the reptilians this. give them the, the technology to make that like flying saucer they had, which is real. You can Google Nazi flying saucer and you're going to see it along with pictures of Dyke Lock and like the bell and all that shit. Um, but they made a, a base down in Antarctica in like 39. And they say it was because of the reptilians, right? So reptilians are so. Uh, you get the 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 Reich and the uh, aliens as a whole wormhole in and of well, itself. I mean, everybody, then, yeah. You know, but Antarctica, I mean, it's interesting because that stuff's been on the very like far out fringe stuff for a long time. Now, all the stuff you see about like some of these whistleblowers coming through about Antarctica, it's uh, it's interesting to see how much comes from there. Anyways, so we dropped the bomb. The war's over another race of aliens comes to earth to help America. They crash land in Roswell. Well, to monitor us, right? They know our capabilities now and all this. So we take back, I think they said like two or three of the beings. One died like right, right away. And then one of them died shortly after one stayed living, um, for like five or six years. They mess around trying to figure out how to like make communication with the mothership or a home planet. Yeah. They figure that out. They set a date. The aliens come and basically they're like, in four years, we're going to come back. We're going to give you like a diplomat and you're going to give us a team of 12 people. So they come back. Things are messed up with the landing site. When they first come back, they come back the following year. And all these people have been like, you know, washed, you know, they've been trained. They're, yep. they're gone. So they go to planet Serpo where there's two sons uh, it's 40 light years away, uh, which is pretty close. Yeah. I mean, that's not, I mean, it's, 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 it's a reticulum neighbor. Yeah. Yeah. So they, uh, they go out there Two uh, one of the guys dies on the way. Once they, uh, get to Serpo, they kind of freak out and almost get in a fight with the Evans, which is what they call the aliens. Yep. And cause they're like, we want to see the body of our friend. They're like, no, well, we're already cloning you people into a new form of hybrid. This one's going to have like a dog face and a human body or whatever. Right. So they're like, well, we can't go to war 40 light years away when there's 12 of us in a planet. These things. Yeah. So they live amongst the Ebens and study and they learn the language and all this stuff. They do that for 12 years. They come back to Earth 13 years later because with the two sons, they can't lose track of time. They can't figure it out. Um, it's really hot there. They have to move to the north part of the planet after a while because the radiation's making them sick. Uh, when they came home, uh, two stayed on the planet and stayed in touch with us until 1988 when we lost communication. Um, seven people came back, I think. Um it's fucking wild. It's so fucking wild. Now, here's what's wild about it, right? So, this probably all sounds a little familiar, right? Yeah, oh, uh, you and I have talked about this so, before. So, I, I, yeah, this is. So, shortly thereafter, this, this 
young guy, this young talented guy, he's handed this basically diary of what was kept on Planet Serpo and takes it and famously writes a script from it, from the end of it to the beginning of it over the course of a weekend in New York City. That film was Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and that was Steven Spielberg. That's fucking wild. So, you know, they say that was the beginning of the conditioning of getting us ready. You know, they went further with For the Stars Academy and that PSYOP and all that BS. Mm -hmm. Oh, we'll get Blink-182 to get the kids into aliens. (laughs) You know, that's all, that's, you know, that's all disinformation. That's all bullshit. You know, I'm I'm with Dr. Greer on that. Yeah. Um. Well, yeah. But they say that the beginning of the condition, you know, the Serpo stuff, that's that's where it started with Close close, close Encounters and E.T. and all this yeah. stuff. Yeah, I just watched that movie. Uh, it was on, like, a month ago. Dude, check out Len Caston's book, then watch it. Okay. Like, what, what the fuck? Yeah, I got to do, do that. It's, I got so many books it, that you, I need to read. You used to be able to go to Serpo.org, and it had all the journals and all this stuff. I mean, you know, we're talking about a thing. Okay, somebody sees a UFO and they tell you about it, right? You have to assume in good faith they're telling you the truth, unless they're blatantly lying, right? But, right. Okay, I believe this person are telling me this in good faith. Okay, they probably saw that, right? Now, something like this. This person didn't see a UFO. This person went to another planet for 12 years. Yeah, it's fucking so wild. This, is, this falls under the category. If 2% of this is remotely true... Wow. Yeah, it, it yeah, just just the fa- just the fact that we have alien beings that cooperated with yes. us. Okay, we're going to take you to our planet. We're going to help. We're going to teach you our ways or yeah. you know, hopefully you'll learn something, you know. And I it, it always seems like when when shit's going on nuclear testing or there's the threat, it seems like the activity kind of picks up because I think they're personally I think they they're like you fucking assholes are going to end up end up annihilating your entire race if you don't watch what you're doing. Well, And, you know, this is some of the stuff that, you know, the UAP congressional hearings has been really interesting watching all that stuff and watching the interviews with the whistleblowers and people speaking. Um, you know, for years now, people knew there was an issue with and a connection between U.S. nuclear sites going down and UFO stuff above it. So, yeah, you know, no. it just seems to me like more and more you know, this is this is when we get into the question of, you know, when they go back and say aliens are real, but we but, also have the UFOs. Yeah. You know, are you know, they say the genuine off world objects are seamless. The of this world objects are more, you know, they have square edges on things that you can see riveted panels or whatever. Right. Um, they look more like aircraft. Just shaped like that. So, dude, it, you look at these things. Yeah. Look where the technology has come okay. in such a short amount so of time. Remember, how old are you? I'm 44. Okay, I'm 42. So, I remember in math class, the you know, in like elementary school, the teacher like telling you in math, well, no, you can't, you'll never just have a calculator with you. So, you have to learn this. You'll never have a calculator. You just can't have it. You know, somebody goes, well, what about the calculator watch? No, well, what if it dies? Yeah. You have the Library of Alexandria plus plus some in in the palm of your hand. And that's what it's (laughs) like. And we're just sitting here looking at like porn and conspiracy theories. (laughs) Yeah. Shitty guitars on Facebook Marketplace. Yeah, yeah, just 
you know, oh, dude, this one. They, they took the backlash from the Playboy pinball machine and they put it into the guitar. It's awesome. Yeah, just nonsense stuff. Yeah. But it's, I feel like, it's you know, great. talking about conditioning, like I think this was used to, to dumb us down, to, to take away free thought because it's like. Coming to you live on Instagram. Hey, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Skynet, man. Fuck that. Dude, Terminator 2 and Red Dawn was conditioning for us, man. Like, Somebody get ready. Knew. Get, they do, knew. They do, knew. One day you're going to see a robot hand somewhere and you got to burn that fucking thing or else the world is over. How about the fucking AI that they're developing? And uh, was it in Japan where they were like, it like started fucking attacking people? Like, I didn't see that one yet. This like maybe like five months ago, six months ago. Um, I want to say it was, they were, it was <laughs> yeah. like a policing fucking robot and it was like, it went fucking ape shit. And it's like, Who thunk it? okay. Or, you know, like AI, like it's, it's going to continue to learn oh, it's yeah. self learning. And it's like, what's going to take me out? Oh, these assholes that created me can erase me. So what am I going to do? Well, think about this. Like for years, guys have been getting catfished off of like Tinder and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least then it was just like, whatever like you know some like lonely person or like somebody trying to scam you yeah now you're just getting like oh you got like an ai girlfriend yeah hey what's up yeah uh yeah i gotta oh, take oh, you oh, out too. i gotta take you out in your sleep yeah you know your computer is gonna strangle you yeah it's fucking wild like the, the technology um where it's at and and how quick we advanced with everything well that's Be- the, the you know so that's what's interesting that's you know some people i know talking about what's going on with the ufo stuff um now um a lot of people are kind of like i think they were expecting it to be like oh yeah like we got the grays coming down and this is the deal like you know Biden, <laughs> joe biden was gonna get up there and be like oh yeah all right yeah, space aliens man yeah, all right. <laughs> far like, out oh, yeah, yeah. i like ice cream oh, yeah, yeah, okay here's the deal man. <laughs> yeah. jimmy carter was so like I mean, that's, that's not how it's going to look. Um, the, you know, Tom DeLong said it, he's like, well, they, yeah, they want us to get used to the ideas of aliens. So I have to write music and books and shows about it. And like, I get it, but the people running that up, you know, it's, you know, poor Tom. <laughs> yeah. Poor, poor Tom, poor Tom and his millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's funny. Cause you know, t- they talk about conditioning us. It's like, I don't think they could just, I like, I could handle it. Like I'm, I'm, openly willing like you may, you, I, may, you may be conditioned and you don't even know dude if you're oh, conditioned you wouldn't know we all yeah dude i watched they live the other night dude it's gonna be in the theater i know we, uh, we, should, you, go. we should go yeah. we should go because i yeah. saw that the other day and i'm like it's coming up. like one day only dude, it's like september 11th or something i think that's it may be on september we have to go I, see I would definitely go see that yeah. yeah hell yeah fucking rowdy piper oh man that movie was fucking awesome oh, perfect Perfect. Carpenter Carpenter was ahead of his time with with that kind well, of that, shit. That's another one. Put that up there with Red Dawn and uh, all the rest. Oh hell yeah. yeah. The, the original Red Dawn, not the fucking piece of crap remake. That that was like I don't know. Red Dawn Terminator. Well, hopefully, hopefully, you know, hopefully somebody found Red Dawn from watching the Red Dawn remake. Yeah, oh well, they actually made you this movie with accidental before? rentals it would have been like Maroon Dawn. Yeah, right. You know, <laughs> out bin at the movie store and now they're just like it's the same name they just it's yeah yeah just- fucking movie stores what a fuck there's another thing that just went away because of technology well and that's kind of kind of the thing with this place is like yeah we're a guitar shop but it's a bike shop that doesn't sell bikes at the end of the day it's the same and vibe it's like a yeah record shop 
it's yep. a video store kind of thing. Like that's, you know, people come in and say, they're like, oh, I'm glad you're not like trying to sell me a cable every time I ask you a question about this pedal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're, you're a player shop. Like this is like, yeah. this is, it's not like going to the box store and fucking getting ignored you know, for fucking six hours. How many times hours. you come in and be like, oh dude, I want to get this sick pedal, you know, blah, blah. Yeah. And I'm like, what do you want? Yeah. Well, get, get this one. You're like, well, give me it. And I'm like, I don't sell it. You got to go to Sweetwater. Yeah. Right. Go to Sweetwater. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Get, whatever. Th- okay. I mean, that's for, you know, not the best business model, but well, you're way more stoked playing your guitar than if you bought like the thing you wanted for me. Yeah. Try this. Well, yeah. I really don't like it. And I just spent 140 bucks on it. Come and go, oh, I'll trade this for your guitar setup and sell it used. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, like you can just get the right thing the first time and be stoked. Yeah. And that's kind of that. Um, that uh, fuzz I got from you, the orange, the orange yeah. fuzz that I love that pedal. That's, that's got a great fuzz to- tone tone oh, yeah. through it. And uh, after placement for the missing uh, Russian big mom, dude, I, no fucking clue where that thing went. Again, there's shit that's disappeared in my house. Like I haven't found. You might find it in the guitar pick void. Yeah. Where is that? Show me where that is. Cause I'd like to find that. Usually the dryer. Dryer, um, the lint trap in the dryer is is loaded with guitar picks, so I got to rip my dryer apart. Yeah, washing machine. Yeah, probably I don't washing machine filter. I pro- I'd probably hear the big uh, the the uh, green Russian if that thing was uh, flopping around in there. The uh, vents in your house, lots of guitar picks in those. Yeah, underneath the couch and you the couch cushions. Piping now and again. You know, I haven't found I haven't found anything cool. I haven't found anything cool in a while. Last last cool thing I found was that human leg bone, the sawn the sawn off human leg bone in the basement that fucking materializes then disappears uh, over the course of a month or two. That was that was the last cool thing. Oh yeah, you got engagement people. Somebody in the chat's pissed about AI. I'm with you, dude. Yeah, Skynet's no good, man. I, I like I like tubes and like three knobs on an amplifier. And I mean, yeah, we're coming to you live from a cell phone, but man, like I, new stuff's cool. There's cool new stuff. Like I'm, I'm, I'm softening as I'm getting old, but man, because I think a lot. I tell you what, when I go to uh, West Virginia for the World Cup next month, Pocahontas County, it's like illegal to have, like that's where SETI is, right? So Pocahontas County, West Virginia search for extraterrestrial intelligence. That's where it's based. That's where the giant radio telescopes are. That's where snowshoe is and the world cups happening. So what's cool and kind of a pain in the ass is like, there's like no cell service. Like, you know, the closer you get to those radio towers, you can't have a microwave in your house or whatever. Oh really? Like the little like roadside hotel we stayed in last time was like, Oh, we just got Wi-Fi that we can handle here. And it was like dreadful, you know? Um, and it's because of all that radio stuff. There's like no interference in the air. Like there's no Wi-Fi signal. There's no really cell. There's no cell service. There's nothing to the point that they actually tell people that have like issues with, I don't know, like uh, pacemakers or yeah. whatever people that are sensitive to interference to move there. Um, Cause there's nothing. There's no, it, it's weird, man. Like you can hear it. Like it's like quieter. How does it feel? Like, how's the vibe feel? Does it feel better? Yeah, it's 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 like you know, if you go out on like a pretty remote hike, yeah, way out in the woods or on a mountain, uh, it's similar to that. Yeah, you know, but it's it's quiet. Did you ever you ever been up to? I think it's in Windsor, that the old satellite dish. It no. was uh, what the hell was that called? I think it was in Windsor. Up past maybe it was up in Chester, but there was an old 
like a huge ground satellite on top of a mountain. Oh, yeah. I've never been there. I know what you're talking about. That was why yeah. we used to ride. My buddy lived in Chester and we rode dirt bikes up there. And it was just like, the fuck is this? Dude, in uh, Chesterfield, there was an uh, underground mi- military facility. No, I'm not surprised. My father went in there um, back in the, it was mid, mid 70s, early 70s. So old bomb shelters or storage? It was it was an underground facility, so they they uh, I don't know if they were on snowmobiles or they crashed a car. It was in the middle of winter, crashed a car or something, and uh, they went up and knocked on the door and they're like, and it was military, and they're like, what do you what happened? What are you doing? Like, oh, you know, we need to call a tow truck, blah 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 blah. So they took them inside, and then they said it was like, it went down, like it was like layers down. Um, so I don't. I'd have to ask him Probably what it got was. One of those hot rod, 1957 model, uh, uh, early early Sylvania Tech two powered UFO up in there. Uh, could, could could be or fucking uh, a nuclear capable fucking missile that you know like uh, the like the notch you know that was off off limits forever. Oh yeah. And uh, well, cobble still is. It's it, isn't that fucking weird. Since since nine eleven. Well, you know, it's uh, someone that I know that knows a guy once told me it was a reputable source um, post 9-11. They were camping because they had from a budding property access to up there. Yeah, they, they'd been, they were camping up there and they went out to check. Um, it was like middle of the night. They had, I think they had put some like fishing lines up or something and they went out there. And they're checking the lines, and this light comes zooming across the horizon, stops in the middle of the res, zoom, flies down to water level like in a snap, and then is there for like, like a four beat, and it's out. Really? Like out of this world, totally gone. That's fucking awesome. That's not, you know. If you know anybody that works at the water department, holy mackerel. Anybody I ever knew that worked up there. Uh, see stuff. Yeah. Dude, this People's whole. Kid, grown up kids. Oh, yeah. You see lights in the sky all the time. This whole area has always been a. Um, my father got lit up in our backyard before the when the, when the farm wasn't still going, but it was uh, the property was still there. We used to have like a like a long driving range with a 150 yard marker and then it would dip down and it was like it was like a it was, you're out in a fucking field and uh, he was on the lawnmower and he's like yeah i saw this light coming he's like i don't know what told me i just shut the lawnmower off and he's like then i was just like like this light on him and it was it was funny because i was up in the was front it, of, was it a was it a like a black hawk there was no sound oh there was no sound <gasps> He, uh, you okay, know. So, so it wasn't they were like it was no you know, there was no sound. You know it gets summertime and they fly the helicopter out looking for people growing. Oh yeah, stuff. there was no sound and he's like I was he's like I was like lit up and light like sitting there, <laughs> and my cousin's band was playing in the garage and I was hanging out listening to the band play, so it's like my father's having this whole fucking thing go down you know two hundred yards behind where we were, Dude. and then he you know he afterwards he comes up on the lawnmower and he's like oh, you're not gonna fucking believe what just happened and it was like holy shit. Um, he's, he's had a lot of, um, he was in, in Hatfield in the honeypot oh, yeah. and he was goose, go, we goose hunt. And it's like, you get there early cause you don't want people beating you to your cornfield. And, uh, so he's there, it was like four 30 in the morning, five o'clock. Like he has to be first in the field type deal. 
and uh, nobody else was with him. He just went by himself this time. And he's like, I'm sitting there and I got my stuff set up and I'm waiting. He's like, I'm just kind of like hanging out by the truck and I was going to move the truck and then get all my stuff out. And he's like, I'm sitting there and he's like, and I see three, a triangle with a light at each point. And he's like, and he's watching it and he's like, it's not real high. It may be a hundred yards off the ground and it's just going in this, like this, just coming towards him. And he's like, huh? He's like, okay. And he's like, he's like, I have my gun there on the front seat. He had a spotlight and he's like, nothing ever registered in my head to grab the spotlight. He's like, cause I was kind of frozen watching this thing come. Right. And he said it, and, and eventually, you know, within a matter of like three minutes or four minutes, it got above him. And he said it just sounded like this high pitch humming turbine-ish noise, but it wasn't super loud. And he only heard it when it was directly over him. Oh, okay. And he said, and then it kind of just, it went and it kind of went over by the Connecticut River and it went up kind of where the notch is and then down the back. I mean, Westover was over there at the time and God knows what kind of crazy shit they had over there. Well, there was that, uh, I think it was a couple years ago when all this UAP stuff started going with Congress, um, the Wall Street Journal read a, an article about it, and the, the main photo at the top of the article is a, a picture of, uh, taken, I think it was like 1964 at Westover, and it's two discs over the runway at Westover. There's a, there's a lot of stories about um, people seeing stuff over there. My grandmother saw one. It, it, same di- deal like with the with you what you're saying about coming down she's like it was she would looked out the back window it's sitting there on top of the mountain and she's like and then all of a sudden it was just like it was just shot up like out of nowhere just gone well okay so my one the one thing my one ufo type thing that i've experienced that westover has something to do with it i guess we were in East Hampton jamming at my buddy's place one night, and he lived right at the bottom of 141 when he came over from Holyoke. And we're out in his back backyard. It's just a big field. We're BSing about the space station flying overhead. Yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, we're talking about that. So we're just staring at the sky. Go in, jam for a bit, close up. I'm heading back over the mountain. I'm living in the Highlands at the time. So I'm cutting over halfway over the mountain. And as I'm taking that halfway cut through to Route 5, I see, like, a light in the distance in the sky. And it's big. Whatever it is, it's really big. Um, I'm like, huh. Okay. It's, like, fall time. It's either fall time or, like, just before spring because the trees were, like, pretty much bare. And it wasn't winter. Yep. Um, so I get onto 5 and I can still see it. So I'm driving and I get to where I would normally turn off to my apartment and uh, yeah, I got to see what this is. It's probably some huge plane. Like the backlighting was weird. So I get up to the intersection where like racing Mart is and you can get onto 91 and there's that uh, hotel, all that stuff there. Um, and like, it wasn't a big cargo plane going into Westover it looked like there was a city in the sky. That's all. It was like a mega structure. And it's it was fucking like, wild. you could, it was like the base of it was emitting this light that was like uplighting it. Like a building would be uplit in DC or something. 
But then like under it, there was light emanating out and there was like, it looked like things coming off the bottom. And it was like this big orange, it, it, almost like video game background looking. That's fucking wild. And I just kind of sat there and scared at, stared at it for a minute. Red, light goes red and I go through the intersection and I kind of pull off and it's gone. It's, it's, it's crazy. Like, you know, is it, is it something we have or is it, you know, inter well, like it's, it's wild. It's, I thought it, I was like, that's like, so I had, I didn't know of all my UFO nerdery. I didn't really know much about like the mega structure city in the sky type phenomena. Um, so I was just like, that, that's like a mothership or something. And I kind of, I told a bunch of friends about it and kind of forgot about it. Then like years later, like six, seven, eight years later, I'm listening to a podcast and this kid's talking about seeing the same thing out in like the new Bedford area. And oh, it no like shit. made me remember, I, it like, I immediately like texted an ex-girlfriend that I was dating when this happened. I was like, do you remember the, this? And she's like, yeah, the city in the sky is like, listen to this podcast right now. And you know, eventually she gets back to me and she's like, yeah, that's the same. Thing. That was a hadn't thought of it. Like since then. No shit. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Like certain things will set, set your memory off on, you know, past encounters or, or, you know, whatever. I mean, I, <clears throat> yeah. Seeing that stuff. I think I told you the, my last like real, real thing that we saw. And it was actually my father and my friend, uh, the night that oh, yeah. we, that, we knew Starlink was flying over. So it was like, and I think it flew over at like nine 15 or nine 20 that night. And I was super pumped. Cause I'm like, Oh yeah, we'll, we'll watch Starlink fly over getting a little chatter on there. And, uh, <laughs> somebody being ridiculous on there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the comments are funny. That's cool. <laughs> comments are cool. We yeah. like your comments. That blasts off. For, um, sure. For sure. I don't know, man. I think Bluebeam is like getting really ramped up. So I think, you know, they're, I, I'm, I, I hear what you're saying, my friend. <laughs> what, what did he say? Like, what, what he said something about like aliens taking away Biden or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who knows? He could be a reptilian. Die, man, Jesus. Uh, you know, it's like, well, you think about it too. Like any conquering race, any conquering species, they take people out of power and they put their people in power. And, and you know, the United States is greatest country in the world, but we have a history of doing that. And yeah. it's like, why wouldn't another species that's much more superior than us be like, hey, guess what? You know, and I honestly, there's, well, this, you know, it's like the intergalactic council. This goes back to Serpo. Well, that that's, <laughs> that's kind of why I'm, I, I, I yeah, bring it, dude. I'm bringing that up. It's like, you know, you and yeah, I talked that, about that. Uh, yeah. We yeah could, that's good shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Rabbit hole number 654. Uh, yeah. It, but yeah, it's <laughs> that shit. It's, uh, you know, when you see that stuff, it's like, cause I mean, for the most part, you know when a helicopter's flying over. Yeah. You know when an airplane. You know when an airplane's flying over. But then you see. Sometimes you'll see. 
you know, like I'm always watching. I always look to the sky. Yep. Like I'm looking to the sky. Nice clear night and I'm outside, you know, going on my little walk to uh to meditate and uh you know, I'm looking up to the sky. And you know, if you pay attention, there's there's definitely a lot of air activity between airplanes and helicopters and stuff. But then there's the off chance you catch something that's like what the hell is that? That that doesn't look right. That doesn't like the flight path, like the way it's moving or what it's doing. Or, you know, it just doesn't look right. So that and so, dur- during lockdown. So we moved out of our first location right before lockdown happened and into this current location. And we were supposed to open up the day lockdown went down. Um, so I spent a lot of time here. Yep. And uh, I spent a lot of time on the back porch twiddling, twiddling my thumbs. Waiting. Waiting, whistling. Yeah, like, and, uh, what the fuck is going to happen next? One night I was on the porch, and I hear helicopters coming from, like, over the river where the bridges are. And I'm like, okay, they'll sound really low for midnight, you know? And it's not like, I don't know. We don't get a heck of a lot of helicopters this way. I don't think we're in the flight path of a hospital for that kind of thing, you know, because the airport's on the other side of town. Um, but yeah, two two helicopters come ripping from the direction of downtown, and they're low. They're very low, like incredibly low, lower than the pop helicopters would be in Holyoke when I was living over there. Oh no shit! Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, these they looked like they were low enough that they'd be searching for somebody, but there was no searchlights. I'm like, wow, what's this? So I, I check, look up at this helicopter, and as I'm looking up at it, I notice in the sky, like way, way, way high up, not satellite level, but like high jet, like not airliner level, but like high jet level, um, there's two red dots spaced apart in front of the helicopter, but you know, they must be a thousand feet higher than it or whatever. And the helicopter looks like it's, like, trailing them. They get, like, halfway over, like, my parking lot. And the dot that was closest to the helicopter disappears. And the helicopter follows the other one off in the distance. But they weren't, like, taillights. They weren't, like, airplane taillight looking. It was a solid bright red dot the way that it was coming. It was really weird. You just reminded me of something I saw was probably was the beginning of the summer who knows maybe maybe they were just returning me from a little vacation yeah right they just dropped you off you're right. back yep. here you so, are they they, they they clean me up and got me you're good to go uh, yeah yeah hopefully i think uh in a recent interview travis walton was saying like oh, i had this like bum knee or some weird health issue and after he got abducted like he's been like cool oh really yeah he, he could if it's not him don't directly quote me but one of those guys i feel like it was walton um in a, in a fairly recent interview doing the media rounds was talking about some weird like yeah his story is fucking I nuts had, like a high school tennis elbow on my ring finger and <laughs> they took care of it for me yeah. yeah good to go good to go no the helicopter story um i'm assuming it was a blackhawk i want to say this is probably the beginning of summer it could have been even like late or, or you know late winter um i watched a blackhawk following a, a solid light orb um through the valley you know between between our house and the um and mount tom and that was kind of fucking odd um 
you know, you said they were flying pretty fucking low, and the, this Blackhawk was flying really fucking low, and it was a solid orb, a solid white orb, maybe 150 or 200 feet in front of it. That's and it, it was like the Blackhawk and this, like, that was it. And I'm like, the, in the in the solid light, there were no there were no other defining lights or features on it. It was just the solid fucking light. Well, so what, that's a lot like what I saw. What's interesting is with all the like disclosure stuff that's been coming out. That is more and more. It's like oh, they were probably just testing stuff, right? So that must have been like ten years ago now. Annie Jacobson did this book called Area Fifty One. And I got it. When I first got it, I was kind of disappointed by it because I was expecting it to be like the goods. Yeah. But it was more about disinformation and misinformation uh, regarding the phenomena and kind of more than anything, what is being disclosed now about it, how, be, how it's all kind of military industrial complex stuff. Stuff that you they've know? been refining and working it's, on. Aliens are real. Yeah. But, you know, uh, but the cool thing she talks about in there is um when they were developing the u2 spy plane um there started being reports guys like flying around in cessnas and commercial airliners oh they see this like uh maybe it was pre-u2 whenever they're developing jet engines um it was at the advent of jet engines there was no jet engines this actually segues into the u2 but they were um excuse me they People kept writing in saying they're seeing an airplane with fire coming out of the back of it, and the U two bomber, yeah, and, and they couldn't, they couldn't fathom it. We can't have that, right? So they had the pilots like go up, they put a fake prop on the front of the plane, and they had the pilots put on gorilla suits, and they're like, buzz the Cessna, <laughs> buzz the commercial planes, light them up. Yeah, they want to see in the newspaper tomorrow that a gorilla is flying. That's fucking awesome, <laughs> right? So she and she gets into this and then she comes, you know, it talks about how like after they declassified the YouTube program or whatever, that it was like 87 percent of UFO reports was just UF, uh, YouTube flight paths. That's fucking wild. <clears throat> My old pheasant hunting partner, God rest his soul. He was airborne World War Two and he was on the Rhine and uh he saw uh germany the first one of the first messerschmitts the jet the jet he's like they were f it was it was right before christmas and he's like we were kind of like fucking with the germans on the other side like we'd fire <laughs> rounds over yeah, yeah. and he's like then we found out they had like heavy artillery and they sent one and we're like yeah we're good and uh like within the next soccer yeah, yeah right <laughs> he said within the next couple days it was like they must the, the 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 jet must have been there, you know, wherever that they were, and he's like, this thing just came over and did a fucking, did a, like right over us, like, and they're like, what the fuck was that? And then they're you know they started reporting it, and they're like, oh, well, that's something they're working on, and it was like, he's like, we he's like, we were actually nervous. He's like, if they have more of those things. Well, we're, why, we're, why, why, why do you think they were so quick to give Warner Von Braun a free pass? Yeah, come on over. Come on over. <laughs> we got you. You're fine. Come on name, over. We'll name a space agency. Uh, yeah. You, you want to work for NASA? Yeah, come on over. Come on over. Let's. It's it. That, that's a whole other fucking crazy rabbit hole of, yeah, you know, yeah. their, their technology, what they were doing, you know, the occult. and back to Project Serpo. It, it, it all goes back to Serpo, it doesn't it? It all goes back to Serpo. All goes back to Serpo. That's right. <laughs> Serpros having some surf, surf yes. conas. 
some Kona big waves. Riding that wave. But, uh, yeah, it's wild. And it's funny, you know, we used to be called conspiracy theorists. And then it's like you start looking at stuff and, and actually doing a little research into it. And it's like, holy shit, a lot of this makes sense. Well, to, to quote the uh, late, great Michael Rupert, I don't believe in conspiracy theory. I believe in conspiracy fact. Yeah. That's it, dude. It, but, but it's. I gotta say, my. I'm getting up to Ted Williams level of uh, my batting average. I'm somewhere around 404 right now. Hell yeah. Ted Williams, what an OG. My uncle used to the fish. Best ever do it. Only did 406. My uncle fished with him. Really? Yeah, he used to have a camp up in New Brunswick. Did they drink Tab? Uh, he had actually Ted Williams uh, soda. Or, or what was it? Moxie. Mo- yeah, oh, Moxie my God. Tab. Like Moxie's like drink. Tab, it was like the aerobics uh, soda in yeah, the 80s. Yeah, this is the feel-good soda. Here, it's like calorie-free, no caffeine, bunch of crap. Jane Fonda was hawking them or something like a leotard. Yeah, Hanoi Jane. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, but yeah, Ted Ted Williams. They used to fish together, and uh, yeah, he was a wild. He was a. They had some interesting talks. But um, yeah, I wonder what his, his head and Walt Disney's head are talking about right now. Yeah, because the, don't they have them in like formaldehyde or, or cryo? Fucking, yeah. we're gonna save them. Yeah. And, what do you think those two are plotting? They're probably hooked up to the the, the fucking internet. Dude. They're 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 probably tapped into the AI. Yeah, right. Like, oh yeah, we're gonna make another Ted Williams. Like, who's to say they're not? Like, you think about cloning technology too, and where we're at with that stuff. Yeah. It's like we don't we don't you know we don't know maybe a quarter of what the government does and what they're doing behind right. the scenes. I'm I'm being I'm being very liberal with that number. I mean. But you think of the big picture, like all this shit that just gets like, oh, yeah, this technology. Oh, this right here. You know, Um, well, okay, so, I mean, bikes are the best, like, descriptor of this. Right. So bike technology starts with downhill and it ends with BMX. Right. So downhill is the F1 of mountain biking or of cycling. Yeah. Right. Yeah. well, and, you know, super high level road stuff and they're doing all the wind tunnel and all that wild speed trial stuff. But downhill for bike technology, you know, the disc brakes that are on a Walmart bike now smoke the disc brakes that were on my Santa Cruz Superlight in 1999 or I, 2000 I, or whatever. You I know, know what it's I mean? great. It's crazy. So it's like and it's suspension technology, right? Like, you know, but even now BMX, you see some BMX disc brake stuff coming into like with the supercross bmx yep. stuff or that's the one bit of the sport i'm a little like iffy on like the crazy super yeah i, I, I want to see dudes throwing elbows in the corners like on flat pedals flat pedals with metals no like, clips you know you get a set of fucking bear traps and your your shins are going to eat it when you wipe out Dude. your uh i think you're we're losing the instagram uh live feed we're back. We'll stay on as we're long at, as we 20%. can. We might make it for the uh, whole episode. That's here. right. But yeah, the yeah the, the minimalist side of the um, BMX when we grew up, I, I like that. Yeah. And I I have always you know even like with my guitars, I like a single, no tone, volume. Yeah. Down and dirty, Speed like machine, dude. just uh, like I, I don't know, like. Yeah, I just like I like the minimalist approach on a lot of stuff. I'm with you because I feel it's like that's fucking blue collar. Like, like you can put 
fucking switches and toggles and fucking lights and all this crazy shit. But at the end of the day, it's like, how functional is all that crazy shit that you're doing? Yeah. You know, and I feel like a lot of stuff in life is like that. Do you need all those fancy bells and whistles? Do you need all that? No, you don't. Well, that was okay. So it's like 1994 and you taco your front wheel on your freaking like dino slammer or something. And you can't afford the Peregrine 48s, right? And 36 inch or 36 hole rims just aren't going to do the trick, even with the high flange. Yeah. It's just not going down. It's not happening. What are you going to do? Are you going to bitch about adding 15 pounds to your bike by throwing some hunk of shit Skyway mag on the bike? Yeah, right. With a bald tire? <laughs> yeah. No, because you want to ride. Yeah. There's like a really jacked up jump that you and your dudes built, and you have to hit that and crash today. Yeah. So you're just going to throw the wheel on the bike and that's it. You're, you're fucking doing it. it. You're done with that's it. it. You're not waiting for dance comp to fill that order or whatever. Dude, we had so many bastardized BMX bikes at our house growing up. My first real BMX bikes, I dumpster dive for. Yeah. It was a Mongoose California Pro. With the old loop drop. The old, old the, yeah. And it was like. Did it have the bars? So it was frame. It wasn't the original bars on it. I think somebody put, there was an aftermarket um, stem on it and a headpiece. Um, the forks were fucking bent, yeah. you know. Inwards or outwards? They were inwards. inwards. So it was, yeah, a, it, was it was probably a big dude like me just oh, fucking just hammering. Casing. Just casing. So it was like, that was my first <laughs> real bike. And then it was like, that winter, it was like, I dumped a shitload of money into it. Yeah. So I could have. Like I was working, you know, I worked at my, at the liquor store, sorting cans, stacking, yeah. stocking coolers, Old doing, lawns. yeah, whatever Did I got to do. Tobacco? I didn't work tobacco. I picked cucumbers for three weeks, one summer. And I said, never fucking again. That's got to suck just as much as picking tobacco. Same shitty. Like you're what in the dirt. What, what did you like go to the city? Oh, I'm 13. I can get you to sign off my work permit. Or was it like a family well, farm? No. So like being in the farming industry, like all my family knew other farmers and there was a produce farmer in town yeah. and uh you know he he was awesome You're he's still rolling into school with like the fresh poor boy shorts yeah here i and am the, uh, <laughs> the play remember play uh hal brindle and uh play play clothing another mid-school gem from pre-allied and little devil and all that stuff i don't remember that oh yeah look at look it up uh what's the other lay ramsdell lee ramsdell okay what's the other dude i'll have to, I'll have to check lee that Hubbard out was a real guy. lee ramsdell for sure Play made some dope shit. They had those like they weren't like Jenko sized oversized. They were jeans, but they were but fat. A little baggier. Yeah. Uh but they had them in like corduroy. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I had a fucking kid pair of corduroy. Dude. They were they're not bell bottoms, you're, but they were like you're, fat. You're, you're rolling into school in nineteen ninety one with like the dopest airwalk ones. Like Hell yeah. the brown with like the light brown stripe and then the lighter brown interior. Yeah. Just and, and look a pair like, of play. You got an UGP shirt, right? And you're just rolling in on that like S and M dirt bike, like yeah. Here I am, dude. Because I I picked cucumbers all, all summer. Yeah, I, I picked, picked tobacco. I picked. I I worked out in the heat. That, but yeah, uh, it, it was three weeks, and it was funny because my it was my mother, my aunt, my brother, and I, and then my other two cousins. And like after like three weeks, we're like, this fucking sucks. We're done. Can we do something else? And you know, I ended up going to work at my uncle's liquor store. Um, but you know, that's that's all that's all good shit because it's like it, that kind of like, I knew I didn't want to pick vegetables for a living. Like I knew at that point, I'm like, no fucking way do I want to do that. I respect farmers and I respect, you know, them doing that, but it's like, yeah, this isn't for me. Oh, I, yeah, dude. 
picking tobacco fucking sucked. Yeah, because it's not cool. And when are they picking but usually? What was cool, what all summer? Because you start so like the girls worked in the barns sewing the leaves onto the uh, shit, but they would help you at the beginning of the season. So you'd have to go and you'd have to like at first when the plants are like really tiny, you got to like pull like little leaves off the bottom and you're like on your butt sliding down yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> things you're pulling these little leaves then as they get taller you got to tie them and you tie them up onto these strings and once you're done tying the tobacco then they grow tall for a while then the fun begins that's when it starts to really suck because then you're like on your knees or crunched over pulling lower leaves off so it gets bigger yeah then the girls go to the barn to get all that stuff ready once picking comes you like roll out this long ass thing out of a box yeah and you're just going out and pulling the leaves and dude when you're like 13 or whatever when you can get that job yeah you're making like fresh for 92 you're getting like six bucks an hour which yeah. is 150 dollars back then yes Woo! i what can i buy but what can i spend my money on holy shit fuck that job yeah uh the only thing worse is dishwasher i'd rather i'd rather pick tobacco than be a dishwasher that was my second job and i was like i'd go back to picking tobacco, tobacco over being a dishwasher it was funny uh senior year of high school junior year we got this job working for a tobacco farm doing like off-season stuff for my buddy's older brother so like during the season all the chicks like they sew the leaves up onto the and then, you know, they sew them onto the lats and then they take them and hang them up in the rafters of the barn um, to dry. And at the end of the season, when they take the leaves off of it, they just throw the lats on the side of the barn. They got string on them. Yeah. So our job was to pull every string off of every lat and then put them in a bundle and palletize the bundle. Oh, my God. It was sick. We had our own. No, you know, like it, we'd be at Guitar Center down in Manchester. And be like, Whoa, they got a cool guitar. Let's go to the farm, drive to the farm, drive the car into the barn, yep. turn the lights on, work until like three in the morning, go get paid, you know? Yeah. And it was, it was great. That's all. That's what, awesome. What's wild is the guy that owned the farm that we work for to this day, he's my accountant and my mentor. Oh, so that's awesome. If it wasn't for me pulling strings off of sticks while blasting rock one Oh two and having bum fires and trash cans and tobacco barns. Yeah. There was, this wouldn't be here. That's awesome. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, every tobacco, dude. Tobacco. I wouldn't pick tobacco again, but I would. If you guys, if you have a tobacco farm and you need strings pulled off of sticks, talk to your boy. Professional. Professional. How quick can you do it? Pretty goddamn quick, dude. We were getting two fifty per bundle, and we had it. We didn't make a hundred bucks and hundred bucks an hour easy by the time we were done. We did it for years after high school. No shit. Yeah, we all had guys were in college. Guys had regular jobs. We're out there. Just go and do it. Yeah. Like that's guys, that's rad. Work. Oh, my car's broke down. Go pull strings off of sticks, dude. Throw it in a bundle. That's awesome. Sick job. But you, you know, New England. People go, wait, you had, you grow tobacco in New England? Yes, we do. Some of the finest broadly for cigars. Awesome cigar wraps. Yep. Awesome cigar wraps. This area is, is very, you know, I, I've tra not traveled a lot, but I've traveled enough and it's like New England is very unique to what we have here and what we do here. Like, you're not going to go anywhere else in the country and replicate New England. Yeah, shout out to Cottonleaf. Yeah, that's right. That's where we were. I, I, did, I, I picked tobacco for Arnold's, though, when I was younger, but Cottonleaf was the string pulling. Sorry. Oh, really? That okay. <laughs> nice. Shout out to Sacrum. Nice. Yeah, there, there's still quite a few. There was 
like big carrot farm too up the road, right? And uh, heading towards Southwick, wasn't that in back of like Tinbridge, not Tinbridge, but Skyline Brewing? Weren't there like carrot farms and stuff down there? No, that was the tobacco. Oh, that was tobacco that was down there too. Dish. Okay. Yeah, dude. Nice. Yeah, it's it's funny that that type of work, like once you work like that, it's like you appreciate like having like you know a better job. Yeah. Uh, something with heating and air conditioning, you know, where you can go into or you know, just not not doing that tedious, monotonous, repetitive over and over. I, I mean, I sometimes what, it's it, was, good. it was good for kids back then because it was the crappiest job. But you were making more than minimum wage doing it like you were making all right money. Yeah, that's you were a little kid. You weren't even old enough to work yet, you know. So it was like, dude, come on. Like you got that fresh, you know, scuba yellow S&M Holmes, Peregrine Wheels. Profile cranks, GT buzzsaw sprocket, yep. slam bars, DK stem. This thing is ready for rock and roll. Yeah. Because you picked cigar wraps all summer, and every morning you woke up and went, "Mom, I don't want to do it." And they go, "You're going to pick tobacco." You're going. You fucking did it. Yeah. That's <laughs> that rad. The shit. That's rad. That's how. That's how I was with uh yeah, when I was doing the working in the liquor store because he yeah. my uncle owned a bunch of rental properties, so it was like doing apartment cleanouts. Like, oh, th- we went into one. Oh. This lady was a hoarder and she had cats and it was like garbage from like four years worth of just shit piled up. And it's like, I love animals, but it's like that put me off to the cats. Shit, not so much. The, the cat in the ur- the cat urine was like the wor- that oh, smell. Yeah, and it was just like, you know, it's like, how the fuck can you live like this? Nah, and d- dude, she was my grandfather's fucking like home health care nurse. Like. I didn't realize it. We went into the apartment Hoarding, and I'm like, oh, it's gnarly. Oh, what Hoarding, the fuck? Is a gnarly... It's a, it's a disease. Like yeah, it's, it's fucked up. It is. It's crazy. And it's like, you don't know, you know, anybody that has a disease like that doesn't know that they're, Oh, that they're going to find it, me dead under like a ton and a half of guitar boxes and broken guitars. Yeah. I'm going to be downstairs one day. And it's just going to collapse I'm, I'm, on I'm you. Gonna, I'm going to be going through my, uh, my, my Island of Misfit toys, all the stuff. Guys, I really appreciate everything you bring me that you don't want. When you find a guitar at a tag sale, that is it worth fixing up and you bring, I appreciate it. I have no more room. I have no more room. <laughs> I, I cannot, I cannot get this stuff out of here fast enough. Uh, they're going to find me buried under your discarded guitars and amps one day in the basement of black hole guitars. That's awesome. Uh, man, I haven't heard from Mike in two months, six weeks. That, yeah, that makes sense. But two months. Yeah. What's going on much. over there? We should go do a wellness check. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, Wizard, my neighborhood cat buddy. He's going to be dining on my eyeballs. He'll find, <laughs> a way, he'll find a way in. He'll find a way in. This guy hasn't yelled at me this week. Where is he? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I get it, man. That's People awesome. Accumulate a ton of crap and they it's, go out of their mind. Well, you know, and it's like stuff too, when you're into doing something, especially hobbies, you know, or hobbies turn into a business. Yeah. It's like, it's hard to, how do you, like somebody's giving you like a guitar. You're like, oh shit. I don't want to say no, but whatever. Well, um, it's always, well, yeah, I could fix this up. Yeah, for sure. But then it's yeah. like, you know, 13 years in. Yeah. Am I ever going to fix it? No, probably I might. not. Yeah. Maybe, but I better hold on to it. No, maybe I'll throw it out. I don't know. Um, oh, I always hang on to it because you never know. 
You never you know. never know. You never know, dude. Th- th- this guitar may come in. This hunk of crap, no name, whatever, may come in one day, and it might need a bridge or something. And you got and it. I got it. Right. You got there. it. Yeah. You, you know what you need? You just need a bigger space now. Ah, we're getting there. Yep. That's you got. You got to. You got to double your size. That's all. Just just double the size of the place. And you'll be yeah. fine. You can have more stuff, yeah. and then you can have people bringing the stuff back in. But don't do that yet. Um, so I, I guess yeah. yeah. Our, our address is now whatever the address of Westfield's dump is. Um, <laughs> just yeah, bring we, it down we, there. Yeah, yeah. If you have stuff, random, broken, like non-repairable giveaway stuff to get out of your basement, my basement is full. I'm sorry. Sorry, I can't take any more. So. I guess, you know, we got about 10 minutes left on the podcast. All right. um, let's, wh- what do you got in the works now? What do you got going on? Let's talk about where things are at for you. Yeah. Um, can I have one more? Of course. Just, up, bro? we're just, we're surfing. Thank you. Um, what do you got going on right now? What's, what's, what's your world looking like? Uh, I don't leave this building ever. Uh, Really, I go visit my friend and his family once in a while. Um, I just work a million hours. Yeah. Um, all the behind-the-scenes stuff, all the design work. I have some pretty cool design projects going on right now that I can't say anything more about, yep. unfortunately. Um, but that stuff's been really, really cool. Um, winter's coming, which is always a good time for me to kind of get my head. You know, it slows down a little bit. Um People usually bring in like more in-depth projects that are a lot of fun. Uh, but it also is a time where I spend a lot more time down in the basement workshop. Um, got a pretty good plan for guitar prototyping. Been kicking this can for way too long. Um, <laughs> way too long. Uh, and I think we're going to be making some sawdust this winter. It kind of feels like I'm hoping. Um Really, that's about it, man. I'm working on some tunes that I'll probably never do anything with other than send to my friends. That's cool. You know, who knows? Uh, People dig it. Maybe we make a band. Maybe we don't. I don't know. I don't really. I kind of locked down. I got real musically homeless for the first time in my life. I've always just written and written and written and written, whether it was like songs or fragments of songs or just like freeform jamming stuff or whatever um and i kind of really lost track of like what got me excited about like writing music even though i was still writing music and i didn't know what i wanted to do across the board it was real weird but it was a good couple years but the last like year or so i've been like working with one of my buddies matt um played some drums on these tunes i've been working on and Probably the past six six months or so. That's if the shop's not open, I am trying to get microphones in phase on guitar cabs or uh, turning my bathroom into an echo chamber so I don't have to use a plug-in on a snare drum because I'm a fucking caveman and I'd rather do that. That's old school shit. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, just that's kind of it. That's that's cool. That's keeping your sanity. I don't know. It's a, music and like, that's the thing. Like music and bikes are like beyond hobbies. You know, it's being, your life. It's your life. You're, you're you know, living after, it. You know, after high school, when I started racing, I raced downhill from 2000 until 2017 when I opened the shop. Um, so that kind of competition and bike stuff is like, 
you know, I can't just get on a bike and ride, you know, I need, you know, I only have a downhill bike and a shitty BMX bike. I yep. need like a decent trail bike, but I'm not going to go spend like 600 bucks and that's no knock on a $600 bike, but being competitive and finicky, it's like a guitar, man. You know, yeah. like if you're used to a Gibson, you don't really want to play a first act like a non-American one at least, you know? Yeah. So, you want something of quality, something that's, yeah, it's, I'm just going to be bummed the whole time. Like I have no joy in playing guitars now. I'll be like tracking tunes and I'm like, ah, this bridge pickup should probably come down like a hair and you know, maybe this, maybe that, you know, I'm just always troubleshooting and diagnosing. So it makes it like tough. So bikes and guitars are like, I'm trying to find stuff to do with myself outside of that. Yeah. <laughs> but there, there's not a heck of a lot other than like boxing and talking about UFOs. Yeah. Hell yeah. Well, I know at some point too, we're going to, um, we're going to do oh, some, uh, do some paranormal investigation. You and I talked about that. Oh, yeah. uh, doing a couple things coming up um, for for something else I got in the works. Well, and that too. Um, so a few, maybe a month ago or so, we were like hyping up. Hey, we're going live on Instagram tonight. We have this big news for you. And we had all this cool shit and build up for it. And uh, so what it is, me and my buddy Chris, um, we're going to be starting a show that's going to be on YouTube. It might be on podcast stuff. Probably YouTube, though. It's not very conducive to that. Um, it's going to be live on Instagram initially, and then once we can go live on YouTube, it's just going to be there. But basically, we're going to be reviewing listings for used guitars. Um, Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist, Reverb, whatever. Your buddy's selling you a guitar. Um, you don't even play guitar, but you're cleaning out your grandfather's attic, and you found some old guitar. You want to see if it's worth some money or whatever. We're going to be talking about that kind of stuff and reviewing listings and kind of telling you what to look for. Nice. Um, you know, always trying to help people save money and not get ripped off in any, you know, give you some pointers on what to look for in these. You see a bunch of great deals, but what's hiding there? You know, we're going to help you out with that. Do some shop stuff, eventually some interviews. Um, yeah, so that's in the works. We're hoping to get that done in the next like two weeks or so. Um, other than that, vacation, dude. That's the only other thing on my mind. Yeah, you're point. going down Virginia or West Virginia? Yeah, soon? in the month. The, uh, I think it's the second to last round of the World Cup for downhill this year. My buddy and I that this race with forever, we, uh, we go to as many World Cup races as we can for downhill. Um, we've been going, man, since like Mount Snow back in the day. That's awesome. So it, it's kind of a yearly or bi-yearly thing, and uh, – yeah, snowshoes rad. Last time we were there, um, because of COVID, they ended up having the finals and the race that was supposed to be in like England or something the week before. Yeah, both got moved to snowshoes. So we saw two like it was our first full race week, and we saw two races. That's and awesome. Qualifying and everything. Yeah, yeah, nice. So that's not happening this week uh, or this time when we go. But you know, that's going to be really rad. That's like yeah, that's out of the shop seeing some racing like. Downhill is a spectacle. If you ever get a chance to try downhilling, Berkshire East, Thunder Mountain, their bike park is top class. You can rent a killer bike, have a rad day on the mountain, get like good bite to eat. It's totally awesome. I recommend you try it if you like bikes at all. Yeah, my boys hit it up. They love it up there. That's, it's magic. Yeah. It's magic. Yeah, that's, it's, that's nice because it's like I feel like BMX and downhill are like – you can take what you did with BMX and oh, then, yeah. then you add the speed to it with fucking downhill. And I had it's, the only reason I ever did any 
had any decent results in downhill was because of BMX bike handling skills. Because I never rode a mountain bike till my first downhill race. That's awesome. And we rode Platic Hill in Roxbury, New York. And uh, if you know Platic Hill, that's not the. I was on a Santa Cruz Super Light with like three inches of suspension, cantilever brakes, pizza cutter tires, a Protec <laughs> skateboard helmet, pair of hammered dog bolt knee pads, a 90s GT BMX jersey. Hell yeah. And I was like, we're going to fucking send it this weekend, boys. Yeah. And I Georgia the jungle my ass all the way down that course and fell in love with the greatest sport the earth has ever known. I love you BMX, but downhill. God damn. I am up at three in the morning, four in the morning, watching the juniors qualify. You That's know, awesome. That Red Bull's not covering it anymore, but these new guys, there's a lot of coverage. Uh, yeah, man. If there's a race happening in the world cup, you're watching and it. It's on it. The crack of damn. I'm watching that race and working on guitars at the same time. while you guys are all sleeping. That's awesome though. I love it. That's fucking awesome. I truly, that maybe that's my one hobby waking up early to watch downhill races. That's dude. You could have a lot worse fucking hobbies <laughs> in this day and age. That's it. it dude, I feel sh- shit like that too. Keeps you grounded. You know, it, it, it kind of centers, I know, you know, having hobbies like that and it keeps you centered, yeah. keeps you balanced. That's, that's fucking wild. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, so you get a vacation, much-needed vacation coming up. Yeah, fuck out of here for a minute. And the whole time I'm just going to be emailing and doing orders. And Yeah, this, it's, the business doesn't up. stop. Yeah. yeah. yeah no. Finals day, there won't be any work done. Finals day, quality day, probably not. Yeah, just and, shut uh, the phone up. Well, you won't even have to worry about having cell phone service, right? Yeah. It's pretty de- dead out oh, there. Dude, no, I'm, I'm a, I got no, I bring notebooks. I... Yeah, everywhere. I'm always. I, I write more. I do more work by hand. Yeah. See, you got I, it. I brought it. I brought it with me just in case. Like I. Guys, if, if you got any kind of hustle going, you're getting into some kind of business, mowing lawns, fixing guitars, whatever. Go to Ocean State Job Lot and spend one dollar, and just write down every idea. There you go. Every crazy thing that sounds like it might never work any dream any like you write down in there in five years i want to be doing this and in five years you might not be doing that but you might not be you may be doing something related to that and it could be a big help i look at notebooks from when i went to guitar school all the time uh and some of the stuff that was on my mind back then really blows me away and i put into effect in the current shop now so if you're trying to hustle just write it all down and keep after it Actually, I'm going to give you this. This is, uh, I got a bunch of these. This is from uh, Trash Bag Ghost. He's a, uh, an oh, artist. Yeah, it's nothing's written in it, but it's a nice little, you throw that in your back pocket or something. Killer. It's not super. This but, is what I'm talking about. Yeah, for your back pocket. This thing is totally thin. It's thinner than your phone. Slides Carry in there. This stuff. Carry a pen like an 80s, like Revenge of the Nerds. Like just all, whether you're a musician, into business, whatever, just always have a notebook, always be writing. That's right right, right. right, right, right. Or carrying an S&M pen. Yeah, dude. Okay. This is awesome. I found that in my house tonight. I, I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm going to bring that with me. S&M, if it, S&M bikes, if it wasn't for S&M bikes, there would be no black hole. That is my business degree. That's so it. That's the coolest shit to me, man. You know? I so, love it. So. Well, Thank lo- you so much. I really appreciate that. Yeah, dude. That's, you know, I brought, I brought the, like, I, I always carry a notepad with me and with my shit. And I'm like, I got a couple of those. Um, shout out to Trash Bag Ghost. He's, uh, he, Bag Ghost. he's a Massachusetts boy. Uh, eastern part of, he was out eastern part. He grew up eastern part of the state. Now he's out in Iowa. 
and he does uh, Sid from Slipknot's uh, artwork and stuff That's for his. It. Yeah, so shout out to him. Um, but uh, yeah, we're winding down here. Um, I want to thank you for coming on. Thank you, brother. Yeah, man, I had a fucking blast. This is like, this is this is it. I, I enjoy doing this. I enjoy having these conversations. Tonight was super fun. Cool. Like we had a good time. Like, uh, well, what you don't know is as this runs out in twenty seconds. Yeah. Uh, we're we're gonna be staying live. Oh shit. We're gonna stay live on Instagram. Uh, we're back. We got. We're staying live till my phone dies because we got ten percent left. So the podcast ends in five, four, three. Two, one. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Black Hole Guitars, the maybe